True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today and welcome to part two of our outfield preview for the 2021 season. And Frank Stanfield joined as always by Scotty Dubs, Scott White, and CPT, Chris Towers, and maybe a cat, Chris. I mean, your cat stole the show last night. Everyone's talking about David Bowie in the chat right now. Any chance we get another I, appearance? What's going I on there? I kicked man? David Bowie out of the room today <laughs> because yesterday it was too much. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it, but she was biting me. Uh, she was yelling at me. It was just too much. I couldn't concentrate, and I think my, my performance was affected. And, and frankly... Uh, you know, she might have broken the skin uh, on one of those. So uh, I had to put her outside. Uh, she'll be back soon, but she needs she needs a day off. You a know? day off. All right. Makes sense. I thought it was your best. want to get right. And, uh, you know, we'll get back out there uh, later in this week. You know, I just want to get some, you know, work out of the limelight and, you know, make sure that we're ready for the next time that we have to rely on her. I thought it was your best podcast yet, actually, Chris. So uh, I don't it's fair. Know. It's low bar, low bar. <laughs> Uh, hopefully you guys are ready to talk about 100 more outfielders. Somehow I only got to 13 outfielders in ADP yesterday. We spoke about a few more with sleepers, breakouts, and busts, but uh, we have a long road to go down tonight, so let's get it done, and let's pick up where we left off yesterday in terms of ADP, and we'll jump right into the fifth round. Three outfielders going in the fifth round of ADP. Aaron Judge, who I had as a bust on yesterday's podcast. Stalling Marte going at pick 52. On average, according to Fantasy Pros, and Randy Arozarena, who is going off the board at pick 59. Scott, you spoke about him a little bit as well as part of the prospects that we need to know entering the season. But Randy Arozarena, not your typical prospect because he's going inside the top 60 picks based on what he did in the postseason. Would you actually draft him that early to get him? We have a sighting of another cat. This isn't David Bowie. Apparently, Chris this is. Uh, we need to. We cats. need to work on like a video, like the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time America, going pointing every time one of the cats makes an appearance. Uh, we need to work on that as a video drop for What's the that show. cat's name. This is Liz Lemon. This is the old cat. Okay, old cat. Old cat. So right. a little more anyway, calm. Hopefully, she's only, she's only like six. Probably not. <laughs> Randy Arozarena hit 17 home runs between the regular season and playoffs last year and uh, hit, I think, around 333. 
So it was awesome. It was awesome. And for a pretty extended stretch, those 17 home run home runs were as many as Mike Trout hit, but in, uh, in fewer, in, in, in fewer at bats. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, 59th overall for a guy who at this time last year, we were thinking he'd be, play a fourth outfielder role for the Rays. It's aggressive. I understand it because, you know, there's also some base stealing potential there for a Rosarena. Uh, it, it's hard when somebody gets his 17 home runs into a home run binge. It's hard to just dismiss it, I think. And uh, I'm more inclined to believe than not. I think I said yesterday I was... I was maybe 80 to 85% on board with Eros Arena, and I think I'd have to be 90 to 95% on board with him to take him where he's going, 59th. Uh, you know, if it was 79th, it'd be a different story. But this is a little, a little, put, putting a little too much faith in him for me. How many games was it total? It was 43 games, including the regular and the postseason, Chris. Okay, that that actually that's very similar to what Luke Voigt did in 2018. 14 homers in 39 games. Um, you know, uh, another Cardinals guy. So, and I'm sure Arena was a Cardinals guy, right? Originally, yeah. maybe the Devil Magic has just worn off, and maybe they only get <laughs> Devil Magic when they leave. Uh, or passing it on. Yeah, I, it for I, granted. I don't love Arena at the price, but the ability to steal you know, potentially 20 bases while hitting for power. Uh, it does make him pretty alluring. Yeah, the projection systems love Randy Rosarena. If you go to Fangraphs and look him up, you'll see they all have him for 20-plus home runs, at least 16 steals, between a 257 and 269 batting average. So he was awesome last year in a postseason filled with superstar players. Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman. Randy Rosarena was the best hitter playing. So it just says a lot about what he did. Um, had a lot of confidence. He made adjustments. So I I don't know that I'm going to have many shares just because it's a really, really big price tag to pay based on, what do we say, 43 games? Uh, but yeah, that is Randy Arena. Chris, Stalling Marte is now with your Miami Marlins, and this seems like an easy buy at his price, especially in Roto. Probably only in Roto, maybe, but he was a top 30 overall player in both 2018 and 2019, and Although he is still thir- uh, he is 32 years old, the sprint speed still in the 89th percentile. So I think we're still pretty safe here for close to a 2020 bet on Starling Marte. Yeah, and I know he broke his thumb or his hand late in the season. I'm not sure. I, know, I think he played through it. I'm not sure uh, whether that affected him at all. No, nah, that was pretty late. Um, so I don't think that was an impact. But yeah, he's a he's a solid hitter. He's not... Uh, a superstar hitter, but I think he'll probably be good for 20 to 25 stolen bases with solid production across the board. He'll he'll hit lead off. Um, I don't think it'll be a particularly good Marlins lineup, but at least the top end of it does have some guys who are major league caliber players. So, um, and there's room for you know growth from that offense. They've got some some younger guys who could take a step forward. So I, I think I have Marte. I'm pretty sure I have him ahead of his. Yeah, I have him a lot ahead of his ADP. I have him in the top 40 uh, at the number 12 overall outfielder in Roto. Yep. So again, that's uh, that's Starling Marte now with the Miami Marlins. I don't want to speak for you guys. I had Aaron Judge as a bust on yesterday's podcast, but more so in a 
batting average five by five context. He's still really, really good in points leagues because he walks so much. He's going to have a really high OBP. So if you play in any type of OBP format, uh, the biggest thing for me is I, I don't think that Judge and Stanton are going to be that different and Stanton's going 60 picks later. So Scott, I don't want to speak for you. Uh, where are you at on Aaron Judge? Yeah, no, I, I like him more than you do. I actually tier him with Marcelo Zuna and George Springer and Aloy Jimenez. Um, it's just a question. I mean, he's going to be a stud if he stays healthy. His, you know, per per plate appearance production over the past few years when he hasn't been so healthy has still been elite. And um, I hear what you're saying about Stan, but Stanton has a longer track record of not staying healthy. And as of now, he's not outfield eligible. So I think the gap between them, it's it's probably a little extreme, uh, but it's understandable. Aaron, I, I would point out Stanton was healthier in 17 and 18. Um, but Judge has been more productive. That That's the thing, is if you look at uh, over the last three seasons per 162-game production, um, Judge has averaged, I think, 43 homers per 162. Stanton's like 38. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly, you know, that's a relatively small difference, especially when we're talking about the fact that, you know, Stanton's played about 200 games in that time and judges only, you know, maybe 240. So, you know, you don't want to put too much stock in a per 162 pace, but I do generally think judge is a better hitter than Stanton at this point in their careers. Um, and I have him ranked higher as well. I, I think the injury risk is about the same though. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that as well. Three more outfielders going in the sixth round. Trent Grisham going at pick 62. Brandon Lau at pick 64. We spoke about him a lot on our second base position preview. Michael Conforto going off the board at pick 67. So let's talk about Trent Grisham because, Chris, you have him as your 30th ranked outfielder, and I have him all the way up at number 15. So mm-hmm. um, quite a bit higher than you. And I think that, you know, if we all love Kyle Tucker, I understand that he comes with more prospect pedigree. I think they are very similar p- players, Kyle Tucker and Trent Grisham. Grisham was the 38th overall player in Roto last year, 3.2 fantasy points per game, solid OBP, 352, 12% walk rate, 10 homers, 10 steals for Trent Grisham. It's going to lead off at least against right-handed pitching uh, for the San Diego Padres. And people talk about him like he's bad against lefties. 737 OPS against lefties in the majors. It, I mean, it's not terrible. It's adequate. I think it's, I think it's passable. So tell us why you hate the man, Trent Christian. <laughs> um, well, I, I think with the Kyle Tucker comparison, first off, I, I think the place you have to start with is one Kyle Tucker was better than him last year um, has been, I guess the minor league overall or the major league overall track record for, Tucker is kind of weighted down by that 2018, 28 game stretch when he was 21, but the minor league track record record is much better. You're talking about an 863 OPS for Tucker versus 791. And there are some warning signs in Trent Grisham's uh, profile that I don't want to overlook one. He struck out about 25% of the time uh, so far in the majors. And that was the same last season. That was one of the things he didn't really improve on uh, in his second taste of the majors. The other thing is um, 16% infield fly ball rate last season. That is uh, very high for a guy who strikes out that much. And it makes me think that he's always probably not always, if he doesn't improve that factor of his game, he's going to be a batting average liability. 
Um, and there's a relatively low ceiling on him as a result uh, in batting average. Then there's the fact that I think he, you know, probably overperformed in terms of home runs last season, 20% home run to fly ball ratio. I think that probably, you know, even with the juiced ball would probably be more like 14 or 15% with how hard he hits the ball. Um, I just think there are a probably too many warning signs in the profile for where he's going, which is the end of the fifth round in the 12 team league or early sixth round. I just think if he kind of does what he did last year, he's going to pay off. Like he's going to be better than where he's going right now. And he was on pace for 106 runs scored last uh, last season, over 150 games. The Padres lineup is still really good. I have faith that he's going to run. Jace Tingler is, is a manager that likes to let the Padres run. So I think 2020 with 100 runs seems doable. The steals, I think the steals are a big part of it. Yeah. No, yeah. He was not really a big steals guy for the last couple of years in the minors, but that was with a different organization. Uh, he was 11 in 107 games in 2018, 13 in 148 between the majors and minors in 2019. And then he stole 10 in 59 games in uh, 2020. If he's a 20 to 25 stolen base guy, and you know he was 10 of 11 for steals, so I don't think you can just project 25 steals, but you know, maybe 20 on 26 attempts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes a long way towards making his profile look a lot better, even if he's a 250 hitter with you know 15 to 20 home runs. It's yeah, just and then, and, and that that's hasn't why, been a consistent part of his game. In and, the and that's why I think he's going as high as he is because you look yeah. at what's coming after him. There aren't many 20. Likely, there aren't many likely 20 steel guys who also contribute in other areas, contribute power or batting average the way Starling Marte does. Um, Grisham, you know, you're counting on him hitting for power too. So he, he for, for Roto Leagues, he has that prospect of steals, that likelihood of contributing in that ultra-scarce category. And then, you know, in a points league context, he walks at a 12% rate, and that's something he did He's always been a good walker throughout his minor league career. That was something he did was get on base. So I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure we need him to really be of much help in batting average because I I hear what you're saying. I think you know probably 245 to 265, maybe 270 is the range we're talking about for Grisham. Uh, I'm just not sure. I, I just I just think he contributes in enough other areas that that's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would add is he hit ninth against lefties uh, pretty much exclusively down the stretch last season. Seven of his final 27 starts were batting ninth. Um, I don't know what that means as far as what it what it's likely to uh, mean for 2020, but just throwing that out there as well. Uh, if the Padres don't believe he he can hit lefties or at least can't hit them well, this is a team with a ton of redundancies. And Tommy Pham can play center field. Will Myers has played center field. I don't know if they would feel comfortable putting him in there more than, you know, a few times, but it's worth keeping in mind. And, you know, ha Sung Kim is working in the outfield. I think it's primarily in the corners, but, you know, this is a team with a lot of moving parts. And it's not out of the question that Trent Grisham ends up a, a role or a, you know, platoon player. Michael Conforto was the other name I wanted to mention here. Uh, going in the sixth round, pick 67. Scott, there's no chance that he replicates a 412 BABIP over the course of a full season. Again, I feel confident saying that. But I will say, 
Michael Conforto has now had a 925 OPS or better in two of his last four seasons. So I still think there's a chance that he has this monster season in him. You know, maybe not to the same extent that we talk about Castellanos, but like 270 with like 30 to 35 home runs with really good counting stats. I think it's definitely doable for Michael Conforto. Well, the, the monster season wasn't last year. Well, it was, you know, was, you know, a partial season. A partial season. I don't I don't really understand why Conforto's going this high. If we're not buying the batting average, because last year he hit 322. I don't think we should buy the batting average. You pointed no. out the BABIP. His career high before last year's 322 mark was 279. And he was a career uh, 253 hitter heading into last year. So, um, you know, power hitter gets on base at a good rate. I, I I don't know. He always struck me as like a younger version of Carlos Santana, except not even quite on base skills that good. And we, we've never seen Carlos Santana get elevated to this level. Uh, so I feel like people are taking the batting average seriously to be taking uh, Michael Conforto this high. And I, I can't really, I can't really get on board with that. I think he's a solid starter must start outfield in fantasy, but I don't really think he's on the verge of, like being a stud or anything. Yeah, I, I I think part of it is there's excitement about the Mets offense in general. And I think, um, you know, there could be a ton of opportunities for counting stats there. Like he could be an easy 100-100 guy. So that's one of the things Conforto has going for him. Is he could just end up being, um, you know, a really strong four-category contributor. But I agree. Like I, I think the realistic ceiling is probably more like a 280 average. Um, and I'm fine drafting him here. He's my number 17 outfielder. I don't necessarily have any problem with him. I have him a little higher than ADP, but, um, you know, what ends up happening is I usually can wait a few rounds while he's at the top of my queue before having to take him. Mm-hmm. Uh, three more outfielders going off the board in the seventh round. Charlie Blackman at pick 76. Teoscar Hernandez at pick 77, who Scott had as his most confident bust of the 2021 season on yesterday's podcast, and Nick Castellanos at pick 81, who Scott also had as his breakout for the 2021 season. Um, Let's focus on Charlie Blackman here since we haven't talked about him yet, and he's getting up there in age. There's no Nolan Arenado in the Rockies lineup anymore, and it was a weird season for Charlie Blackman. It was a weird season for everybody, but it was especially weird for Charlie Blackman. First 28 games, he hit 405 with an OPS over 1,000. His final 31 games a 200 batting average with a 603 OPS. He had a bunch of weird splits last year where he wasn't great against right-handed pitching, where he's always great against right-handed pitching. Uh, He had a 797 OPS in Coors Field last year, and that's 987 for his career. So, Scott, where do you land on Charlie Blackman? Because it feels like there's some other outfielders going in this range. Really, it's Cassiano's who uh, potentially have more upside than someone like Blackman at this point. Yeah, I I can't help but feel a little little worried about Blackman. He's turning 35 this year. Uh, We've seen seen some of the the skills diminish, you know, some of the underlying athletic stuff, like how well he plays defense, how much he runs. Uh, We've seen, we, we saw that declining for a few years prior to last year. And even when he was hot early on last year, it's not like there was a lot of power production. It was mostly... Uh, because of an inflated BAPIP. So I'm I'm starting to get worried about Blackman. Um, I think this is a fair place to draft him. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago he was 
somebody we always drafted in the first three rounds. Uh, so I think this is a fair downgrade for him. I can't really get excited about taking him here. Maybe I'm just always looking at Nick Castellanos at this spot and somebody ends up taking Blackman. So it's never a thought that even has to cross my mind. But I, I feel like my concerns for Blackman are high enough that I want, if I'm going to take him, it has to be at a discount. Regarding upside, I, I will just say, I don't know if Nick Castellanos actually has more upside than like just Charlie Blackman's 2019. If Nick Castellanos ever did that, there would be dancing in the streets and parades thrown in his honor. He hit 314 with 30, 32 homers and 198 RBI plus runs in 140 games. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't actually know if Nick Castellanos has more upside than Charlie Blackman, unless we just think there's no way Charlie Blackman can get back to uh, 2019. But we kind of did that in 2018 where people started to write him off a little bit because there was some slippage. And then uh, 2019, he came right back and had a huge season. So I course field is still a really powerful uh, factor in his favor. Um, that makes me think he's probably still going to be a very good source of batting average. He's probably going to score a, a good amount of runs and yeah, just generally categories be I feel best about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with the chance for another, Awesome Charlie Blackman season. It's possible. Uh, I am probably closer to the uh, the former there, Chris, that you mentioned, where you just don't mm-hmm. think it's possible for him. And I think you know, getting into the the mid thirties in uh, in terms of age there for Blackman has me uh, a little bit more worried about him than most. If you didn't get to listen or watch yesterday's podcast when we talked about Nick Castellanos, um, Scott called him this year's Marcelo Zuna, which I think is very fair. Uh, the Statcast numbers for Castellanos indicate that he was unlucky last season. He hit 225. The expected batting average was 273. He also had great other other Statcast marks as well. I mean, posted career highs in barrel rate, average exit velocity, hard hit rate. Again, this is Nick Castellanos. So uh, as long as he sees some good BABIP luck go the other direction, then I think we could see you know something like a 275 uh, 30 plus home run season out of Castellanos. And that's, that's like a conservative floor. I, I still think that we can get this just massive season out of Nick Castellanos. Three more outfielder outfield eligible players are going between picks 90 and 99. That includes Lourdes Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez's teammate going at pick 90, Jeff McNeil going at pick 91. We spoke about him on our second base position preview and Austin Meadows going at pick 99. And I am confident saying I think Austin Meadows is the outfielder that I want most in drafts and he is the one that I will wind up most this draft season Uh, it's very close with Nick Castellanos I like both of those guys quite a bit Uh, last year the ADP for Austin Meadows was 40 and this year of course he's going 50 to 60 picks later than that he's still just 25 years old I'm giving him a mulligan for Last season, similar to Yoel Moncada, Meadows had COVID right before the season started. Then he dealt with an oblique injury. So I know he let a lot of people down, but this is someone who was a top 12 outfielder in Roto back in 2019, and he averaged 3.5 fantasy points per game. Does he get back to that level? Maybe not, but I still think that there's a lot of talent with one Austin Meadows. Scott, where are you at on? Let's focus on Lourdes Griel and Meadows since we spoke about McNeil on the second base position preview. Well, I think it's, I think between those two, I'd rather have Meadows, but I, I, it seems like there's more helium for Meadows, I guess, right? Like, I, I feel like certainly a lot of the people we talk to in the fantasy baseball 
analysis world are, are pretty much on board with you, what, what you think of Meadows, Frank. And, and you know, I, I, I'm a little more cautious. I'm a little more cautious because I had some skepticism surrounding that those 2019 numbers in the first place. I didn't like the way the Rays uh, didn't stick it out with Meadows last year. They kept sending him against lefty. I think it was against lefty. They sent him a lot down the stretch. And I know he was coming back from COVID and maybe he deserves a complete pass for that. But I just keep coming back to uh, the Rays like to take players out of the lineup a lot. And I don't really know that I buy everything Meadows did in 2019 to begin with. So um, I'm probably not going to have much Meadows just because of the people I draft with. I know they like him more. Guriel, I'm more likely to get. I, I think Guriel is kind of uh, kind of a light version of Aloy Jimenez, actually, in, in that I expect him to help in both batting average and home runs. Maybe not with quite the power Jimenez has, but not far off either. I think given the price tag, uh, I, I like Guriel more than Jimenez if we're factoring in that price tag. Last 162 games for Lourdes Guriel, he's batting 285 with 35 home runs, nine steals, and an 855 OPS. Just rock solid. A very safe player, I would say, in Lourdes Guriel. He's had an average exit velocity over 90 miles per hour in each of the past three seasons as well. Uh, Chris, anything that you wanted to add on Guriel and Meadows? I will just ask, do you worry at all about playing time for Guriel and Teoscar Hernandez in particular now that the Blue Jays have quite a bit of depth? I think if they hit, it's not going to be a problem. Um, Like... you know, they do have depth, but I'm not sold on Tasker Hernandez being an everyday player. I'm not sold on Rowdy Telez being someone who needs to be in the lineup every day as a DH. And so, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, you know, Chris, <laughs> among those guys, I would say Lourdes Gurriel is probably the safest uh, option. He He's not like super toolsy and he doesn't flash much and he doesn't really seem to stand out. Um, he's kind of just like, slightly above average at everything and that kind of profile can be super valuable um but it's also the kind of thing where you know maybe with a with a de-juiced ball you know if he sees a 15 percent drop in home runs all of a sudden it kind of drags the overall profile down and that, i think there's a little bit of concern there but overall I, I think he's you know being valued fine i do like meadows quite a bit more i'm, I'm with you on the the bounce back potential there. I, I'm, I think buying guys who had COVID last year is probably a market inefficiency. I like, I don't know, obviously it's, you know, we're dealing with completely unknown circumstances. We've, we've never experienced something like this, but it, it just feels right to me. It, it like, it feels like a pretty good excuse for a guy who had a bad season. Obviously, it would feel even better if Freddie Freeman didn't exist, I guess. Yeah, right, because he got COVID and then went on to win the MVP. But it does affect everybody differently. Uh, yeah. And obviously, you know, Yoan Moncada complained about how it affected him. Meadows, I didn't really see it, but um, I didn't see yeah. any any quotes about him complaining. But uh, we'll we'll make it up anyway because it fits the narrative, and, and I love Austin Meadows. The last thing I'll add about him is uh, if you're worried about the splits, yes, he did sit down the, down the stretch against some some tougher lefties. 837 OPS against lefties in 2019, a 921 OPS against lefties in 2018. So I think Austin Meadows is fully capable of doing it. It's just 
it, it's a matter of the Rays actually having confidence and leaving him out there. Uh, we see five more outfielders go in the round 10 range. Dom Smith at 109, Eddie Rosario at 112, Chris Bryant at 113, who also has third base eligibility. Dom Smith also has first base eligibility. Mike Yastrzemski at pick 116, and Byron Buxton at 119. Uh, we are going to focus on Rosario, Yastrzemski, and Byron Buxton from this group. But, man, Eddie Rosario, he's a lot like Lourdes Gurriel. I, I don't really know why they're going um, as many rounds apart as they are. And I don't think anything has to do with Gurriel. I think Gurriel is fine, and he should be going inside the top 100. I just think that Eddie Rosario, for some reason, is undervalued. But, okay, let's, let's buy that uh, because, you know, he's been... Awesome for fantasy. Eddie Rosario just prints money. Uh, he has finished as a top 60 Roto player in each of the past three seasons. He barely walks, so you assume that that would affect him in points leagues. That is wrong. 3.1 fantasy points per game in each of the past three seasons as well. And I don't know if this is actually a thing, but last year he had a career high 8.2% walk rate. Again, this is Eddie Rosario. And Scott, I know that you brought up he has hit very well in progressive field, which is where he will now call home playing with the Cleveland Indians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. Look, it's a pretty decent sample, obviously. He's been his whole career in the AL Central, so he's gotten a lot of time playing in Cleveland, and the numbers uh, have been ridiculous there for Eddie Rosario. 353 batting average, 11 home runs, and a 1031 OPS in, in 45 games. I don't think that that's magically who he becomes now that he's with Cleveland, but... Clearly, the ballpark isn't going to hold him back. That I at least take that from it. Um, and uh, you know, he's he's just been really steady as a twenty-five to thirty homer guy who also contributes in batting average. He didn't contribute in batting average in the shortened season last year, but the strikeout rate was still below fifteen percent. You know, he had some bad Babbitt luck. Uh, I I still see him as uh, somebody who's going to contribute in that category, and. I mean, for where you can get him, like this, this is my wheelhouse in the outfield. Eddie Rosario, uh, Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of those guys as my number one, number two. Yastrzemski, I think, is being underrated too. I think he's a slightly less powerful version of Michael Conforto and uh, potentially deserves to go much higher than this. Yastrzemski doesn't points leagues because of how good he is in getting on base. Uh, but he's an everyday player now. He's San Francisco's best hitter. And um, I, I, I tend to see him in, in expert drafts fall beyond his ADP here. So I wind up with Yastrzemski sometimes as like my number three outfielder, even though I'm not investing much in the outfield. Yeah, Mike Yastrzemski someone who I think falls down draft boards a little bit because he's kind of this random mid-career breakout guy, journeyman in the minor leagues. He is 30 years old with the San Francisco Giants. But uh, Yastrzemski has played 161 career games to this point. 281 batting average, 31 homers, 103 runs, 90 RBI, and 892 OPS. If he was 25 years old versus 30, he would be a top 60 pick. So it's just, it's pretty crazy when it comes to someone like uh, Mike Yastrzemski and really, really good splits as well. 967 OPS against lefties in his career. I agree 100%. In a points league, if I wound up with Yastrzemski as my second outfielder, I'd be doing backflips. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Chris, you find yourself as the Byron Buxton supporter, the advocate, and I believe you have him, if I saw this correctly, I think it was 20th, 20th. ranked 20th in the outfield, yeah. whereas 
I have him at 32, and Scott has him all the way down at 46. So this what are we talking about? Byron, Byron Buxton. Buxton. Uh, oh, okay. Chris loves Byron Buxton. Um, <laughs> tell us the, the why. Person, the person who is least concerned about injuries in general naturally is the highest on Byron Buxton. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah, let me, I just want to, let me stall here for just a second uh, while I type furiously so I can look up a comparison that I just thought of really quickly. Okay. You got it. It's all yours. How would you feel this season if uh, Trent Grisham hit 259 with 23 home runs, 16 stolen bases, uh, and... The the steals and the the runs in RBI it's only 140 but it was only only 126 games so you know the the pace over a 162 game season is obviously even higher it's 191 runs in RBI you'd be pretty thrilled with a Trent Grisham season where he hit 23 homers stole 16 bases and hit 259 right. Chris, sure. I appreciate you are just. I mean, I, like, you're painted a picture here. You're speaking, like Bob that would Ross. be an amazing. That would be an amazing season for Trent Grisham. It would be that's an amazing season Buxton, for Byron Buxton too. That's what Byron Buxton's done the last two seasons combined. Mm-hmm. And yeah. okay, yeah, he can't stay healthy. Fine. <laughs> Who can? Who among us? I'm not going to knock someone. I uh, I felt a little uh, adductor strain the other day when I slipped on some ice. I'm okay, but uh, you know, I felt it. Um, look, man, he's 27 years old, though. There is no questioning how talented Byron Buxton is, no matter how skeptical you are of his ability to stay healthy or ability to make contact consistently. He (laughs) is an incredibly talented player. Uh, the batted ball data the last couple of seasons has backed up this power breakout. He has sold out for power. That is a hundred percent true. And he has, his plate discipline has not been good as a result. But you know what? He had an average exit velocity last season of 91.2 miles per hour. It was 90.1 the year before. His barrel rate is right around 10%, 11% over the last two seasons combined. I just think he's really good. I think he's a rare power speed threat um, who's not being valued like it. He is a weird player. That is the last thing that my takeaway is I, I really don't know how to value Byron Bucks. I'm not drafting him in a points league. I would look at him as maybe my second or third outfielder in a roto league, but has been able to stay healthy. He had two walks last year in 39 games, a 51% chase rate league average is 30.6%. You know what he had a lot of though? Sprints. <laughs> oh man, we'll very see fast. What, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Byron Buxton, but uh, look, I, I just think it's, it's a chance to bet on an elite skill set that gets valued. Like, if he had a better season than Randy Rosarena, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't disagree. I just wish the price tag was lower. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, his ADP is 119. If he was going closer to, like, Victor Robles down at, like, 175, then I think I'd be able to get behind it. But Yeah, but if Victor Robles could hit, like, Byron Buxton, he wouldn't be going that low. That, that you know is, what? I, that is I think true. Lorenzo. I look at Buxton versus Lorenzo Kane, and I think, oh, okay, come Kane's, on. If Kane stays healthy, he's stealing twenty bases. He's probably a three hundred hitter. Maybe Oof. Buxton has more power upside, but I don't. You know, I don't. I don't see Buxton hitting thirty home runs even if he stays healthy. You know, he's never hit twenty home runs before, so I don't know. All right. I don't know. Let's let's Hater. move. Let's move on, and um, we're not going to be able to have a discussion like that for any other players. But round eleven 
has five more outfielders going off the board. Alex Verdugo at pick 126. Tommy Pham at 129. Will Myers at 130. Kyle Lewis at 131. And Michael Brantley at 133. This is a really interesting group, Scott. You have two younger players in Verdugo and Kyle Lewis who look like they have some upside. And then you have... You know, pretty solid contributors who are a little bit older and Fam, Myers, and Brantley, and there's some injury risk with all of them, and definitely with Tommy Fam. So, who is your favorite to draft from this group? Verdugo, Fam, Myers, Lewis, Brantley, if any of them. I think it's pretty easily Myers, and I don't know why Teoscar Hernandez is getting all the credit that maybe Myers deserves too. Except, I mean, Myers has better track record of success. Um, he actually did greatly improve his strikeout rate last year, unlike Teoscar Hernandez, and we saw him have similar power production. I guess. Well, I don't even know that you could argue the steals, down the steals were down for Will Myers. That was the that was a thing were. last year. Yeah. They were, but you which know. is weird because everybody else ran for the Padres. And, and the previous two years when he wasn't hitting, Myers did keep running. So I yeah. I don't really think. I'm giving him a pass for that. I'm giving Myers a pass for that. I think he's still got a good shot at 15 to 20 steals if he's in the lineup regularly. If he can sustain those gains as a hitter, it's obviously no guarantee. Short season, you know, did show did show greatly improved plate discipline, but it was a short season and maybe just a fluke. I think there's more reason to believe in Will Myers, though, his, uh, his return to form than Teoscar Hernandez's breakthrough, and yet Myers is going, what, 50 picks later? 40 picks later? Uh, yeah, that would picks later. Myers at pick 130 and uh, T. Oscar, I think it's at like 77, right? Yeah, so yeah, about 53 picks later. Um, it's a good point that you bring up. Will Myers was awesome last year. Kind of feels like everything just broke right for him, but I also don't think anyone's expecting him to hit 288 with a 959 OPS again. So even if that regresses for Will Obviously Myers, <laughs> yeah, where he's going, if he hits whatever, 260 with 25 to 30 home runs and, and 5 to 10 steals in the Padres lineup, then he's going to easily pay off this. It's it's a matter of health, again, for Will Myers. And the same thing for Tommy Pham. Both guys with the Padres. Uh, you name an injury, Tommy Pham has had it. I mean, some really weird stuff with this guy. Fractured foot. He had a fractured handmate bone last year. He had LASIK surgery for his vision yeah. a couple of years back. He got stabbed outside of a strip club back in October. It's just like, what? Tommy Pham, I mean, the guy just keeps running into trouble. He's playing through a partially torn UCL. He turns 33 years old in March. Yet, I'm still interested because last year, he was on pace for 15 home runs, 30 steals, over 150 games. Uh, the ground ball rate was way too high at 62%, but if that comes back closer to where it's been the past couple of seasons, he still hit the ball really, really hard last year. 50% hard contact for Tommy Pham and a 92.8 mile per hour average exit velocity the expected batting average and expected slug were also much better for Tommy Pham. So I'm a fan at, at this ADP, and I, I think in either format as well because he walks a decent bit as well. Um, Chris, your favorite from this group, Verdugo, Pham, Myers, Lewis, Brantley. Uh, I think my favorite is probably Alex Verdugo. And, you know, it, it's he's an interesting case because he's a very good hitter who, I mean, he's kind of Michael Brantley, actually. You know, <laughs> we don't really need to, like, overthink it. He doesn't have the stolen bases that Michael Brantley did at his peak. So he's more like a late era Michael Brantley and it makes you wonder how he'll age. But um, assuming he can get back to, you know, a mid teen strikeout rate, he was 20% last season. I think he'll be more like 15% uh, given the track record. 
I think you're looking at a very safe batting average. I think you're looking at, uh, you know, probably more like 15 homers. He really does not hit the ball hard uh, at all, which is kind of weird for someone so young. And it's not like he's like 5'8", 180 pounds. He's, you know, six feet, six foot one. He looks pretty beefy. Uh, but for some reason, he just doesn't hit the ball hard. But uh, one of the safer bets for batting average that you can get outside of the top 100 who won't be a total zero in power uh, and should be decent in runs and RBI because uh, a theme for me this preseason is I, I am expecting a pretty big bounce back for the Red Sox offense. I just think pretty much everyone in that lineup will be better than they were last season. And um, that includes Alex Verdugo. And, I, and I'll point out, he dealt with back injuries in 2019 that kept him out of the lineup. Uh, his sprint speed has increased each of the last three seasons. Uh, 56th percentile in 2018, 60th percentile in 2019, 68th percentile in 2020. He is solidly above average in speed. And I could see a 15-15 season for Alex Verdugo. It's not out of the question. So uh, I I think his all-around game makes him very good in uh, – Really, both formats. He, I, I know. Go ahead, Scott. I know, I'm sorry. I know we got to move on. I just wanted to mention that Kyle Lewis in this group is also a bust for me. Sorry, you were about to add something about Verdugo, so now I feel like an idiot. No, go ahead. <laughs> but, no, tell us why. Tell us why you're worried about Kyle Lewis. Well, I mean, he and he and Luis Robert were basically trying to uh, both trying to lose the Rookie of the Year award in September. Luis Robert was a little more successful at losing it. But Kyle Lewis hit 147 with a 550 OPS for the month. It's totally a front-loaded season for him. And he, all the plate discipline gains he lost in September and looked more yeah. like that guy who strikes out 40% of the time. So He just doesn't I, hit the ball as hard as you would think yeah. for what he did early on last season either. Yeah, through the first 36 games, Kyle Lewis was batting 328 with a 407 BABIP. He did that with an 87-mile-per-hour exit velocity during that time. So really... It's just not impressive. Um, final 22 games, he batted 147. and uh, But that came with a 90-mile-per-hour average exit velocity. So just a really weird season overall for Kyle Lewis. I will say the one thing that I liked is his walk rate remained throughout the entire season. First month, second month, it didn't matter. So hopefully he could build yeah. off that and, and keep the strikeouts down. Michael Brantley was the last name mentioned in this tier of ADP. Uh, he actually was not great last year. He ranked 168th overall in Roto. His XBA and expected slug were both his lowest since 2016. I think he's a pretty safe bet for batting average. So if you need that in your in the middle rounds of your Roto or head-to-head categories league, that's fine. In a, in a points league, he's going to hit a good amount of doubles. He's just kind of boring at this point, Michael Brantley, and he's and he's getting up there in age. So, uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I guess the fact he played 40, he only played three quarters of the 60-game season. Um Ended up hitting with five home runs, but like in terms of percentages, he looked, you know, he, he looked a lot like he always does. I, the I counting think stats were way down. It was only he was on pace for he had one run in RBI per game basically after yeah, okay. having a hundred and oh god seventy eight in one hundred forty eight I mean, games the previous year. Yeah, he's my favorite of this group. You were making a Verdugo comparison to him, Chris, and it's like. You're, you're, you're saying Ver, maybe Verdugo can be Brantley. Like you could have Brantley. Yeah. I, Verdugo. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they're pretty similar. I think Verdugo is actually a better bet for steals at this point. That's, that's the, the differentiator, but I, I like Brantley fine. Yeah. I would agree with that on Verdugo. And as bad as the Red Sox lineup was last year, he was still on pace for a hundred runs. So if he leads off and mm-hmm. JD Martinez bounces back, then we could very and easily Evers. see like a hundred and, 
100 runs, 110 out of Alex Verdugo. I just want to quickly promote that we have an extra mailbag podcast coming later this week. We'll do it probably on Friday at some point. It'll pop up in your feed on Saturday morning. So if you have a fantasy baseball question and you enjoy the podcast, please drop a five-star Apple podcast rating and leave your question in the review. We'll also grab some emails as well. So put mailbag in the subject line and send that to fantasybaseballatcbsi.com. That's the letter I as in interactive. Um, And wanted to let everyone know that our CBS Fantasy Baseball Commissioner product has launched. The product is built for everybody, regardless of league type, dynasty, keeper, salary cap, AL only, NL only. We have it all at CBS Sports. It's fully customizable. Create your own stat categories and adjust scoring by position. It features a deep player pool, including minor leaguers, and there's even a feature to add your own player. There's franchise building, detailed player contracts, custom keeper rules, and trading future draft picks for those in deeper dynasty formats. Uh, But of course, the biggest endorsement is that I use my longest standing home league. It's keeper league on CBS. And then of course, Scott uses the great dynasty league. We have our salary cap draft this weekend, actually. So uh, we'll let you know how that goes. Probably not great for me, of course. Uh, But (laughs) yes, can someone uh, can someone message me about 25 minutes before that starts, please? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'll be sure to do that, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> um, if you're watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we will have salary cap values for outfielders here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. If you're wondering how much to pay for these outfielders in a salary cap draft, here are Scott's values for the different tiers. This is assuming a 12-team salary cap draft, standard $260 budget. Up at the top, you have Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna for about $40 to $42, Cody Bellinger for $33, Kyle Tucker and Marcelo Zuna down at $24, Charlie Blackman and Nick Castellanos at $17, Will Myers and Eddie Rosario which is a group that Scott is targeting apparently for $12, Clint Frazier and Ryan Mountcastle around $6. And if you want a buck bash, Cole Calhoun is a name that you should be looking for. Should give you some power later on in your 
Roto Leagues. Uh, five more outfielders going between picks 142 and 150. Let's be a little bit more brief on these names, fellas. In the round 12 to 13 range, Joey Gallo going off the board, pick 142. Anthony Santander with the Baltimore Orioles at pick 143. Ryan Mountcastle also with the Orioles at pick 145. Ramon Laureano with the Oakland A's, pick 146. And Jorge Soler at pick 150. Of course, he is still with the Kansas City Royals. Scott. Joey Gallo, Santander, Mountcastle, Loriano, and Soler. What do you think of this group? I don't love it. I, I do think it's kind of crazy how everybody's just moving on from Joey Gallo because mm-hmm. he was he was a high high variance player who got stuck in this small sample size season. And, you know, we got the lowest of his many variances, right? <laughs> like Totally foreseeable, but I, I don't know why we're writing him off based on it when, you know, he, he looked like one of the safest sources of home runs there is. So he, he's probably the one guy that I'm probably, that I'm going to end up with a good number of shares of. Um, you know, Santander, I wish we'd gotten to see more from him because he was kind of shaping up to be a Mike Moustakis of the outfield. I feel like that's where, that's where his profile was leading. It's just, it ended up being only 37 games worth. He had 11 home runs, didn't strike out much, looked good, but it's, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not eager to buy him at this cost, given how little we actually saw of that. Santander was amazing. It was a, a very small sample size, 37 games last year. He averaged 3.9 fantasy points per game in points leagues. That was tied for the 13th best hitter in that format with the likes of Corey Seager and Luke Voigt. Uh, Santander, you mentioned it, Scott. Swing was just built for Camden, uh, hits a lot of fly balls, makes a lot of contact as well. So he's an interesting player, but I don't love the price tag either going inside the top 150. Uh, Chris, Gallo, Santander, Mountcastle, Loriano, Soler, your favorite from this group? Uh, it's probably Gallo. I, I agree with Scott. It just, he was going around 86th overall this time last season. Now he's 148.6 in ADP. Just, yeah, buy the dip. Like he, this, you know, unless you think Joey Gallo just isn't one of the elite power hitters in baseball anymore, which maybe he's not, but it seems unlikely for a 27-year-old who was, you know, one of the outliers uh, in the game in that aspect. The last, you know, his three full seasons before last season, 30.1% home run to fly ball rate, 27.6, 37.3 in 70 games in 2019. 16.7% 16.7% in 2020. It's an obvious outlier. He's going to hit home runs at nearly twice the rate he did last season. And he's probably going to hurt you in batting average, but you know that going in. Uh, he's one of the best bats to hit 40 homers. One of the few guys who has 50 homer upside. And Joey Gallo has been compared to Chris Davis, Baltimore Orioles, Chris Davis at times. And if you remember Chris Davis's career, there was a lot of volatility as well, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, there was a year where, back in 2013, he went from a, an OPS over 1,000 down to 704, and then the next year, 923, the following year, 792. So when a player strikes out this much and they rely mostly on power for their value, there are a lot of fly balls. There is especially. a lot of uh, volatility in those profiles, but I would expect Gallo to bounce back. If you plan to draft him, though, in a Roto League, just either punt batting average or make sure you've given yourself enough of a buffer and with guys like LeMahieu, Michael Brantley, maybe even a Verdugo uh, in order to take on that batting average stink from Joey 
Gallo. Six outfielders going in the 155 to 180 range. And we spoke about three of them yesterday. Ian Happ at pick 155. Dylan Carlson at pick 165. Trey Mancini at 171. Max Kepler at 172. AJ Pollock at 178. And Victor Robles at 179. Scott, you had Mancini as one of your sleepers. Chris, you had Happ as a breakout. I had Carlson as a breakout myself. So let's focus on uh, Kepler, Pollock, and Robles here. Honestly, I don't love this group. Max Kepler, he's really good in a points league. Um, you know, he's in a in a roto type format. I mean, he'll give you home runs and runs, not really much outside of that. I don't think anyone's excited to draft AJ Pollock at this point, although he was really good. Uh, and Victor Robles, maybe he'll give you some steals, but he also hits the ball as hard as like Chris's cat, for example. So, uh, Scott, you know, first percentile, first percentile. And, it's it's. Uh, yeah, average exit velocity for Victor Robles is not great. No, not yeah, want. it's it's very bad. Scott, uh, between Kepler, Pollock, Robles, any interest there? I mean, I actually love the value of Kepler. Can be honest, if if I get him as my third or fourth outfielder, I I think that's why I don't tend to invest in outfield early. I mean, the guy had 36 homers, 98 runs, 90 RBI in 2019, and he showed last year. Um, he showed last year that he could continue to to be a source of power. I know the batting average kind of bottomed out at 228. He had a 236 BABIP. He's always going to be a low BABIP guy, but he should be more like a 240 to 260 hitter than 228. And if he hits 30 home runs batting at the top of a loaded lineup, I mean, somebody everybody's going to like to have in their lineup. My biggest issue with Kepler is he was awesome in 2019 with the juice ball. In 855 OPS. Every other season, he's been 760 or less. And he has struggled with uh, issues against lefties at times. Um, he was better in 2018 and 2019. Last year, 378 OPS against left-handed pitching. I'm sure it was a super small sample size, but uh, take that yeah. Take that for a I mean, I, I followed the development of Kepler closely over the years and, and saw the, the strides he made toward becoming a power hitter basically from the start of things. Um just, you know, consistent improvement in the launch angle, especially. And he's always been a guy who's made good contact. He's he's actually kind of become a Mike Moustakis of the outfield, I guess, to, to use that same comparison, where doesn't strike out much, So he, but he hits so many fly balls. It helps with the power. It hurts with the batting average overall, though. I mean, you're getting a solid player in Max Kepler. Uh, Chris, seriously, though, on Victor Robles, is there any hope it was... A dreadful season for him last year. I saw some stuff that he showed up to camp uh, overweight entering the 2020 season. Um, but I also saw a quote just yesterday from Nationals manager Davey Martinez that they want to see what Victor Robles could do at the top of the lineup. They might lead him off against left-handed pitching. It seems like they're just trying to find any excuse to move Trey Turner down because I guess with his power taking a step forward, yeah. they want to they, they kind of want to move him down the lineup. So is there any hope here for... Victor Robles at ADP 179. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the case for him would be he's not even 24 years old. He won't turn 24 until May 19th. Uh, and he has 241 career games in the major leagues. It feels like he's been around forever, uh, but really he's played two full seasons and one of those was a 60-game season. So, you know, it may be too early to write him off. Uh, he, you know, was a much better hitter in the minors, hit for authority. You know, he did have 17 homers in 2019. Um, 
And as bad as the average exit velocity is, you know, his max exit velo has been right around 110, 109 miles per hour. That's not great. But, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times in the last few podcasts. It's, you know, potentially a sign that there is more latent power there or at least ability to drive the ball. Um, you know, I don't I don't think Victor Robles necessarily needs to start hitting more home runs. He needs to start hitting the ball more and uh, better. So, you know, I don't want to write off the potential for a guy that young uh, with those kind of skills. Yeah, if you ever wanted to draft Victor Robles, now is the time. I wouldn't do it in a points league because he doesn't walk very much and he just gives steals. So obviously he's better in a roto or a head-to-head categories league if you need steals in that format. But yeah, I think now is the time to buy in on a uh, 23-year-old following a disappoint disappointing shortened season. There are three more outfielders going between picks 180 and 200. Clint Frazier at pick 181, Andrew McCutcheon at 190, and Kyle Schwarber at pick 192. Scott, why would you draft you know, someone like uh, Jorge Soler or I guess even Joey Gallo to an extent when you know you can get Kyle Schwarber at this point in the draft? It seems like if he stays healthy, he's going to hit at least 30 home runs and the upside maybe for 40. Mm. I, I don't think I don't think he's an everyday player. That's the biggest reason. Um, I, I compare Kyle Schwarber more to somebody like Doc Peterson than to the two guys you mentioned, Kepler and Gallo. Um, I mean, Schwarber's only had one season where he approached those kind of numbers, right? In 2019, and, and obviously kind of came crashing back down last year. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Nationals don't find a platoon partner for him, and, and he, he does end up playing against left-handed pitchers and you get a nice bargain here but I, I I don't think there are as many assurances for Schwarber as for those other two yeah right now their best platoon option is probably not on the roster I guess because Gerardo Parra is probably their fourth outfielder uh, and he's really bad against lefties there's also Andrew Stevenson I don't know he he hasn't had an opportunity to hit lefties really um, so he might be an everyday player right now Kyle Schwarber uh, yeah, he had a weird season last year. His first 36 games were, I mean, pretty Schwarber-like. 238 batting average, 857 OPS, 10 home runs, 94 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, final 23 games, he hit just 101 with a 427 OPS, and his um, his ground ball rate got out of control. It was like 56% over that final 23 game stretch. So, I still think that he can you know, hit 30 plus home runs. And if he's in the middle of a nationals lineup with guys like Juan Soto and Turner and, and Robles just ahead of him, then there's going to be a good amount of RBI opportunities. So uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic on him. If you need power at this point in your drafts, Chris, is there anything you would like to add on Clint Frazier, who I had as one of my sleepers yesterday, Andrew McCutcheon, man, he's just so boring, but he <laughs> gets the job done. ADP right around 200. He was on pace for 26 home runs, 10 steals last year. He's going to lead off for the Phillies. If he stays healthy, he's going to score 90-plus runs. He's just, he's so boring, but he, he gets the job done. Yeah, I, I he's fine. Okay, if you have him on, if you end up with him on your team, you're probably not going to feel bad about it. I, I think Clint Frazier's kind of boring. I don't know. How dare you? Leave. I, yeah, I know. I just, <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't hit the ball that hard. He's, you know, got like plate discipline issues. I, I just, like, I think he's fine. I just, 
I, I well, think he, he might end up more patient hitter last year. Yeah, I mean, Chris, hold on a second. Really high, Chris. Right, you're I talking about Byron. Roast. You're talking about Byron Buxton walked two times last right. year. Right. If Come if on. Clint Frazier can steal thirty bases, give me a call and I'll draft Clint <laughs> Frazier. But you know, he's not going to do that. I just like I look at what Clint Frazier seems likely to do, and it's not that it's bad. It just from a roto standpoint, he might be like the. Uh, platonic ideal of an average outfielder like he might come closest in the projections to every category just being the the dead average production of what you expect from an outfielder which is fine there's nothing wrong with it that's kind of uh, like ryan mountcastle though isn't it a little bit yeah mountcastle uh has a better hit tool which is i, I think a harder thing to find uh, i i trust frazier as a power hitter more than mountcastle um personally and you know what? I, I mean, Frazier did steal three bases last year. In the, right. I think the average outfielder probably ten. steals about seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, probably I, what I would project for him, honestly. And, and I would say like I'm, 25 I'm home like runs. A 30, I'm expecting like a 30-10 season from Frazier this year uh, with a high OBP. Yeah. Oh <laughs> might, need to, might need to boost him up about 100 spots from his ADP then if he does that. Mm. I knew I liked well, you, Scott. I, I, I'm with Frank that I think he's a sleeper. Yeah, I actually had Clint Frazier in my breakout, so take yeah, that, Yeah, that's actually Chris. where I have him, too. Yeah. <laughs> Breakouts 2.0 coming out next week. Yeah! Look out for Clint Frazier. Let's go yeah, Yankees. Do I, I have to have a pl- I have I have something I could use, right? What do I have here? Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, of all the dramatic things. Let's go, Clint Frazier. Just outside the top 280p, Randall Grichuk, Victor Reyes, Andrew Benintendi, Jesse Winker, and Leody. Tavares. <laughs> this is an interesting group. Um, Scott, it was like a tale of two seasons for Jesse Winker. It looked like he was finally breaking out. He hit 104 over his final 19 games. Uh, yeah. Andrew Benintendi, I keep saying I don't think that he can be this bad, but maybe he is this bad. Leody Tavares, if you need speed late in your drafts, he was on pace for 36 steals last season, and he had 32 steals in the minors back in 2019. So, any interest? Grichuk, Victor Reyes, Andrew Benintendi, Jesse Winker and Leody Tavares. Well, first of all, Grichik and Victor Reyes look like they're going to have trouble getting in the lineup. So they probably don't deserve to be drafted this high anymore. Um, maybe early on. Earlier, they did. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tavares, if you're if you're turning to him for steals, you messed up because like <laughs> that's probably the only thing he's going to contribute and you hate to sink a lineup spot in that guy. You may have to. may come to that, but you'd rather not. Five more players going between 230 and 250 in ADP. Cole Calhoun for the Diamondbacks. Uh, Jared Kelnick of the Seattle Mariners, who uh, they don't have a president anymore, so saw that coming. Rymel Tapia with the Colorado Rockies. Mark Canna with the Oakland A's. And Aaron Hicks with the New York Yankees. Chris, can I interest you in anyone in this group? I mean, Cole, Cal- Cole Calhoun is probably Max Kepler, I think. Uh, you know, maybe you're hoping for a better batting average from Kepler, but he hasn't really given you that uh, lately. I mean, the one season, the 252 is the the peak for either of them, I think, in the last five seasons. So, um, you know, if you're looking for a cheap source of power who's going to be a drain on batting average, Cole Calhoun is there for you. He will probably hit 30 home runs. Uh, Rymel Tapia, I will just add, is expected to hit leadoff for the Rockies as of now. <laughs> And last year, he hit 321 with eight steals in 51 games for the Rockies. So, I yeah, don't, 
I, I'm starting to come around. I, I kept thinking, okay, once the Rockies settle their their you know make all their offseason moves, Rymel Tapia is not going to be in a position to be an everyday player. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're we're to the end of the offseason now, and <laughs> there he is, slotted in the leadoff spot, guy who could help in batting average and stolen bases, playing half his games in that park. Um, I like that more than Laoti Tavares. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, the Rockies are really, they really want to see how many replacement level players they can get in their lineup, I guess. <laughs> it's like a, like a grand experiment for this season. They've recently, look, you can be a must start fantasy player and a replacement level player, even if you don't play in course field. Course field just makes it a lot easier. That's right. And they recently signed uh, CJ Crone to a minor league contract to play first base. And Ian Desmond opted out of the season again this year, so that is one I'm, less. I'm really excited about CJ Crone. <laughs> one less player. CJ Crone. CJ Crone could be what we think Nick Castellanos could be. Uh, <laughs> I, I could like I like I legitimately. I know it's not. He's not an outfielder, but like I could see CJ Crone having a 290, 35, 100 RBI <laughs> season where he's worth 0.7 WAR. Oh my God, yes. Uh, anything is possible when it comes to uh, the Colorado Rockies there uh, with CJ Crone. Uh, five more outfielders going between 250 and 275. Brendan and Nimmo with the Mets. Lorenzo Kane with the Milwaukee Brewers who opted out last season. David Peralta with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Alex Kirilov, who we all seem excited about for the Minnesota Twins. And Jock Peterson, who is now with the Chicago Cubs. Scott, you spoke up uh, Lorenzo Cain earlier in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Why are you excited about him? I want to say I'm excited about him. Like, just the cost is zero. And he's been a bankable source of batting average and stolen bases over the years. Uh, you know, he sat out last year. I, I think he opted out a little after the season started. He only yeah. got 18 at-bats. He's 34 years old, so, you know... He's on his last legs for sure, but the track record is is promising, and I think uh, he's being kind of uh, just forgotten about. Uh, you didn't mention, maybe you mentioned him in the last group, Aaron Hicks going 251st overall. Mm-hmm. I'm actually really excited about him at that cost. I think a good bet for 15 homers, 15 steals, you know, maybe even more like 25 homers. I think there's upside for more. Gets on base a lot, kind of bet high in the Yankees lineup. I think he's going to be that there's going to be a good return on investment there from Aaron Hicks. Not going to be much help in batting average, but should play a lot and uh, should be good to great in three categories. Yeah. The only thing is he hasn't run much since the uh, was it the back injury in 2019. He had Tommy John surgery. Tommy John surgery. Yeah. He only, he only okay. has five steals in 113 games. Okay. Just but he did, there, he did yeah. still four and 54 yeah. games last year, which is, you know, 12 to 15 steals. I'll, I'll take it from a from an outfielder in this range. Man, I am looking forward to your outfield, Scott, on your Tatworth team. 15-team Roto. <laughs> so I look forward to following that and and seeing who you wind up with. Uh, it's probably going to have Aaron Hicks on it. I would Aaron, guess it has Trey Mancini on it. Aaron Hicks, we'll Lorenzo yeah. <laughs> Payne. This is going to be a great outfield. Uh, five more names going between picks 276 and 300. Brian Reynolds with the Pirates. Jackie Bradley, who is currently a free agent. Christian Pache, prospect for the Atlanta Braves. Alex Dickerson with the San Francisco Giants. Justin Upton with the Angels. Chris, any interest here? I, I think Pache is probably the most interesting guy, and you're just kind of hoping that it's uh, one of those talented prospect, elite baseball skills, um, figures it out kind of guys. He he is an all-world defender. Um, 
and you know maybe he just kind of figures out how to be a, a 15 homer uh, guy with some batting average help and steals. Scott, there are a bunch of names that we have not mentioned yet that are going outside the top 300, including Adam Duvall, Austin Hayes, Yasiel Puig, who doesn't have a job as of now, uh, Mitch Hanniger, who is coming back from a bunch of injuries, uh, Nick Senzel, Manuel Margot. Any of these names interest you? Anyone that we haven't mentioned yet? Take us home, Scott, in the outfield. Oh, man, I'd, I'd be excited about Brandon Nimmo if I if the Mets hadn't just signed two right-handed hitting outfield options, so I, I don't see him getting regular bats. Um, oh, Hunter Renfro moving to to Fenway Park. I think that's I think that's a good environment for him. High fly ball guy pull, pulls a lot of fly balls, and we know he has power. Like it wouldn't be the most shocking thing ever if Renfro hit 40 home runs this year. And uh, his cost is next to nothing. So, you know, those those deep roto leagues, I like investing in him pretty late. Um, Adam Duvall had a lot of power last year, but I, I think there are too, min- too much competition in that Marlins outfield, believe it or not. And it was like uh, two games. Miles Straw for the Astros. If they don't end up signing Jackie Bradley, he, he's in line to be their center fielder and should steal a lot of bases, should get on base at a pretty good clip too. Um, so he's somebody to look into in deeper rotisserie leagues. Oh, Sam Hilliard, who, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of cooled on him compared to last year too. But like now he has the role we wanted him to have last year. So, you know, for free, you take a shot on that power speed combo and uh, maybe it'll pay off this year. Maybe we were all a year, year early on Sam Hilliard. In their comments, they're mentioning Mitch Haniger. We haven't mentioned Mitch Haniger, right? I like Mitch Haniger a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I mentioned his name here as like one of the guys going outside the top 300. He finished as the 33rd overall player in yep. Roto back in 2018, and he's had just a bunch of injuries. Um, I think a couple of years ago, he hit, he hit a foul ball off of his groin, which knocked him out, and then he's had like a couple of back surgeries since then. But Yeah, core surgery this offseason as well, but he is fully healthy uh, as of now. And, you know, I think it was 27 and 2018. 2017 was a partial season. I think in both seasons he hit right around 280. It was right around a 28 homer uh, pace for those two seasons. And, you know, good runs and, and RBI production. I think Mitch Haniger is... Uh, you know, a, a potential really solid starting outfielder this late. Don't sleep on the man, Mitch Hanniger. Uh Manuel Margot is someone that I think can give you some steals late in your roto drafts. As Justin, well, Justin Upton potentially for home runs late. Fair enough. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. Tomorrow on the podcast, you will get Danny Vietti and Will Middlebrooks. They have Reese Hoskins coming on, uh, and Reese Hoskins recently has been medically cleared uh, coming back from his like partial Tommy John surgery. So that will be an interesting interview. We'll be back again on Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
into the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.